Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmaster. Save up to $22.50 per acre on canola with the Seedmaster Ultra Pro 2 Individual Row Metering System. Today we get an update from flooding in Metal Lake rather that impacted about 100 cow-calf producers. We also hear from a program in Alberta that works to decrease the impact of hailstorms in the Wild Rose province and how that's being used for agriculture. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Filling in for Jim, here's Ryan McNally. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. Back in June, about 100 cow-calf producers in the Meadow Lake region went through some severe flooding which destroyed hay crops and put some cattle in a position where they needed to be rescued. The situation has improved since late June, but plenty of low-lying land is still underwater. It wouldn't take a lot of rain to put cattle producers in Meadow Lake in another difficult position. The Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association has been monitoring this situation. Saskatoon reporter Neil Billinger spoke with SCA President Arnold Balicki. The water levels are still fluctuating depending on the rainfall they get in Alberta. And I can tell you that there's some producers traveling 35 miles to put up winter feed for the livestock wherever that feed is available. And I can also tell you Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association is still working very closely with producers through their lead person, Brent Brooks, who's the owner-operator of the Meadow Lake uh, Livestock Yards. We continue to be the liaison between government and our fellow Meadow Lake producers. As an example, we have sent off a letter to our federal ag minister and our federal finance minister requesting immediate consideration in regards to applying the livestock tax deferral provision to these producers who find themselves in the position of having to reduce their breeding herd numbers. I should also say that in making that request, it is with the intent of uh, having all producers in the province being treated equally and fairly. By that I mean the livestock tax deferral provision uh, has has been invoked for drought-stricken areas in, in past years, and, and so we're asking that the same consideration be given to our flood-affected producers in, in Middle Lake. Why is it so important to do this early rather than, let's say, wait a few months? Well, producers are right now in the position of having to make decisions as to whether they're going to have enough feed, and if they're not going to have enough feed, they're having to decide whether to reduce their breeding herd and by how much. So if that's important, you you, uh, reduce your breeding herd, you sell off your calves early. Um, In either situation, no matter what they come up with, they're going to have a loss of of, uh, net income. And so if if they can get the the livestock deferral provision, they can defer that tax. And and then they can uh, rebuild their herds next year when the feed situation looks better. Hopefully it does look better next year. 
Now, you talked to Brent Brooks uh, yeah. with uh, Northern Livestock Sales, who owns that Meadow Lake uh, livestock facility out there. Uh, what kind of stories has he been telling you? Because they're right on the ground, so they hear exactly what, what's been going on up in that Meadow Lake area. Well, what Brent is telling me that, uh, you know, there was studies done in, in 1972 or 74 and, and in regards to the riverbank deterioration, especially on the curves. There's been studies done on, on the beaver explosion uh, of population in that area, especially for like 40 miles around Meadow Lake. And and so those issues need to be uh, looked at. And so, you know, SEA on a provincial level, we're looking at what can be done to address the beaver population that exploded. And on the beavers are certainly part of the flooding dilemma as their dams are holding back the natural flow of water. And so, you know, we, we at SCA are really wanting and working to see a long-term solution to mitigating any future flooding in those areas. So whatever producers are uh, requesting of us, we're looking at that seriously and, and taking that back to government. The Meadow Lake Livestock uh, Yard is sort of working as a liaison as well, really on the, the local level. They're, they're helping producers. Maybe tell us a bit about that. Yes, as I understand it, and uh, speaking with Brent the other day, he has uh, has one of his girls at the Meadow Livestock Yards uh, set up her office. She's uh, going to be helping producers fill out their provincial disaster assistance uh, program applications, and uh, and she will be helping them fill that out and and uh, actually being the liaison between the producer and the provincial disaster assistance program people in in the event that there are uh, questions that need to be answered. So. Hats off to Brent. I mean, here's a guy that's doing everything he possibly can for his for his clients, his neighbors, his friends. It's it's something that should really be recognized, and, and uh, I certainly appreciate what he's doing, and I know the producers in that area are appreciative as well. That was Arnold Balicki from Shelbrook, and he's the president of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. We have more with Arnold coming up after the break. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. This segment's brought to you by Salford Group. The summer early order program is extended through July. Call your Salford equipment dealer or visit salfordgroup.com. We're back with Arnold Balicki, the president of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. Arnold says warm, dry weather in the latter part of July was needed to get hang into full gear. Prior to that, though, we had rain every second, third day, and it was actually impossible to get much hang done. And the hang we did do, we made silage uh, wrap bales out of them because we would never get it dry. So. What type of hay yields did you get up in that uh, Canwood Shelbrook area? As you said, I mean, I can only speak to my District 9A and, and the immediate surrounding area, which is Canwood Shelbrook. And so uh, what I can say is, you know, we're typical Saskatchewan. Uh, some areas have normal to above normal production, and some areas are below average normal yields. And our particular area has seen very good production, even with the loss of alfalfa plants due to the minus nine, minus five nights we had in May. And and the continued cold, wet spring into and, and into early summer. But however, you know, you get into that Debden Big River area, which isn't that far from us, producers are seeing a 40% loss in production due to water still lying in their fields. So it's all over the map, even just in an area as small as, as our district, let alone uh, when you look at all of Saskatchewan. What have you been hearing about hay quality? 
Well, that's the big concern for us because we're hanging later than normal, so we know our quality is going to be down. Our protein quality is certainly going to be down. We, we normally look at 12 to 14 percent. We're probably, and we, we feed test in the fall, but we're probably going to look at that 8 to 10 percent for protein. And, uh, you know, the, the more mature the, the plant is, the, the less protein you have. So that, that's a concern, but we, we can always top that up with the commercial bought products. So. Was it too late for a, a second cut? Some fields are going to be too late, so we'll just fall graze them after the, the ground freezes. But there are some of our fields that we're going to be able to get a second cut, and so we're, we're happy with that. Our silage oats that we're going to use for, for silage is looking terrific, probably one of our best crops we've had. And so we're looking forward to getting that done. But there again, that's two to three weeks late because of the cold, wet spring. And so we're not going to get into that till about the third week in August here. The good thing, though, pastures in most areas are in pretty good shape in, in Saskatchewan, and that sort of eased things off a, a little bit for the cow-calf producer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, our pastures are terrific. We've got some pasture land that we haven't even turned the cattle into yet, so we're pretty ecstatic about that. That was Arnold Balicki from Shelburne. He's the president of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Ryan McNally. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Hey, Kara Ustros here with realagriculture.com. We are back here out in the field today with a Pulse School episode, and I have here with me Scott Gillespie, who is an independent agronomist with Plant Stake Soil. How's it going today? It's going very well. Great. So recently you spoke at a Farming Smarter event about some of the, um, some of the research you have done. Can you talk a bit about it? Okay, so at Farming Smarter a year ago, I saw the plots that were um, where they had the precision planter trials with the precision planters and drills. And um, it was fairly impressive to see the consistency of the stand and how well it did, even in, um, even in dry land, in a very dry area in the uh, Medicine Hat. So it was something that was just, I had noticed it, thought it was interesting. And then, um, then I had one of my growers talk to me about wanting to get one of these precision planters and for the seed canola, but then also wanted to know what else it could be used for. So we had, um, around the farm, there is soybeans and yellow peas, which what we're standing in right now. And so I said, um, definitely the soybeans would work very well with it. The peas I knew would be an issue with the amount of seed that we have to put on because they're usually at about three and a half bushels per acre where soybeans are about one. So I just knew the quantity of seed would be an issue and we are, um, this is in um, 15 inch spacing. So we, um, because the planter wasn't going to be used for any other crops like sugar beets or corn, then uh, the 15-inch spacing made more sense for the canola. Um, so 
I knew that the 15 inch was maybe a, <clears throat> a little wider than what peas normally go. So as part of the research, um, it was obviously conducted in plots, but you took it to see how it worked in large uh, field scale trials. What did you find? So probably the biggest thing that we found was in plots, they can get the the high seeding rate so they can set whatever seeding rate they want and get it in the field uh, we could get that if he went one mile or two miles an hour uh, it was just a lot of seed to try to run through the planter and so I had to make some adjustments in what I was expecting and um, plan planning out by the the plants per square foot, what we're looking for, what the final stand was. I was on the high end of where where we could be, so I had to make some adjustments, and so I cut it down to three quarters of what I was hoping to get, and so that ended up working out to about seven seeds per square foot, which when you have a little mortality, maybe goes down to about six six and a half seeds. Or plants per square foot and which is on the the lower end of what the the pulse growers what they um, what is recommended but from my thoughts on it having a precise stand and not having the the clumps or the what drills usually do with uh, larger gaps and larger um, in areas where a bunch of seeds come out then I, I think the stand is still very good. So what sort of impacts did it have with things like weeds? That was um, that was the other concern was the how quickly it would canopy in and how quickly things would um, what would happen with the weeds. So this year is probably one of the the worst years to have to have had that because it has been extremely slow in getting the getting the crop established and getting the weeds uh, controlled. They um, they were sprayed with Viper at the usual at the proper staging at um, I think it ended to be around four or five nodes. So there's always a race after that as to whether it'll canopy over in time. And this year with it just being a very slow start to the season, there are weeds starting to show up under the canopy in this field. So it ended up, it took about an extra week to cover over the rows compared to what it would have been if it were seven and a half inch spacing. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Hey, Kara Oosteros here with realagriculture.com. We are back here out in the field today with a Pulse School episode, and I have here with me Scott Gillespie, who is an independent agronomist with Plant Steak Soil. How's it going today? It's going very well. Great. So recently you spoke at a Farming Smarter event about some of the um, some of the research you have done. Can you talk a bit about it? Okay, so at Farming Smarter a year ago, I saw the plots that were um, where they had the precision planter trials with the precision planters and drills. And um, it was fairly impressive to see the consistency of the stand and how well it did, even in um, even in dry land, in a very dry area in the uh, Medicine Hat. 
So it was something that was just, I had noticed it, thought it was interesting. And then, um, then I had one of my growers talk to me about wanting to get one of these precision planters and for the seed canola, but then also wanted to know what else it could be used for. So we had, um, around the farm, there is soybeans and yellow peas, which what we're standing in right now. And so I said, um, definitely the soybeans would work very well with it. The peas I knew would be an issue with the amount of seed that we have to put on because they're usually at about three and a half bushels per acre where soybeans are about one. So I just knew the quantity of seed would be an issue and we are, um, this is in um, 15 inch spacing. So we, um, because the planter wasn't gonna be used for any other crops like sugar beets or corn, then uh, the 15 inch spacing made more sense for the canola. Um, so I knew that the 15 inch was maybe a, <clears throat> a little wider than what peas normally go. So as part of the research, um, it was obviously conducted in plots, but you took it to see how it worked in large uh, field scale trials. What did you find? So probably the biggest thing that we found was in plots, they can get the, the high seeding rate so they can set whatever seeding rate they want and get it. In the field, uh, we could get that if he went one mile or two miles an hour. Uh, it was just a lot of seed to try to run through the planter. And so I had to make some adjustments in what I was expecting. And um, plan planning out by the, the plants per square foot, what were looking for what the final stand was i was on the high end of where where we could be so i had to make some adjustments and so i cut it down to three quarters of what i was hoping to get and so that ended up working out to about seven seeds per square foot which when you have a little mortality maybe goes down to about six six and a half seeds or plants per square foot and which is on the the lower end of what the the pulse growers what they um what is recommended but from my thoughts on it having a precise stand and not having the the clumps or the what drills usually do with uh, larger gaps and larger um, and areas where a bunch of seeds come out then I, I think the stand is still very good so what sort of impacts did it have with things like weeds that was um, that was the other concern was the how quickly it would canopy in and how quickly things would um, what would happen with the weeds. So this year is probably one of the the worst years to have, to have had that because it has been extremely slow in getting the getting the crop established and getting the weeds uh, controlled. They um, they were sprayed with Viper at the usual at the proper staging at, um, I think it ended to be around four or five nodes. So there's always a race after that as to whether it'll canopy over in time. And this year with it just being a very slow start to the season, there are weeds starting to show up under the canopy in this field. So it ended up, it took about an extra week to cover over the rows compared to what it would have been if it were seven and a half inch spacing. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. 
You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.